Welcome to The Soul Journey, where we will discuss the journey of people, authors, musicians, clergy, blue collar, white collar, and beyond, and find out what drives their journey. I'm Proverb Newsom. The Soul Journey starts right now. Hey, welcome to Soldier, and this is Proverb Newsom. We're back again with Alonzo Malvarez. You might remember that we did Black Minds Matter, part one, and hopefully you enjoyed that, and it sparked a lot of questions maybe in you, or you might have been able to learn something that you didn't know before. I know I did. And so we wanted to go, again, we wanted to do another one and talk about Black Minds Matter, so we're calling this one Black Minds Matter, part two. And joining me is Alonzo Malvarez. How you doing, man? Welcome I back. I'm doing so good. So glad to be back. Ah, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Yeah, last time we had a great conversation, man. We talked about theology. We talked about um, the, the absence of theology in, in higher education facilities. We talked about, um, you know, the color of Jesus even and, and what most people happen to perceive it to be with you know, according to the art that's hanging in their house and on their walls, and you even alluded to what's hanging on your wall here. Yeah. So, um, so this time, I just kind of wanted to either you know get into some stuff that we didn't get to cover last time, um, and and just talk about you know why why is it that you think that you know black people aren't considered intellectualist or people that are thinkers or that can get deep uh, and pursue that avenue? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I believe that. We are thinkers. Yeah, you know, I, we, I agree. We think um, we are still a minority group in the realm of academia. Uh, you know, which for various reasons, you know, there we can we can all look at. But um, we we are thinkers. You know, we are thinkers, but in our own, um, I guess reason why I think we think a little bit different. You know, we we, we process and and. Our thinking may not be the cute, uh, the cookie cutter uh, way of how we perceive intellectualism um, in our day and, and culture, but I mean we've always have been thinking and uh, thinking ways that are definitely colorful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Colorful. Okay. So last time, you know, when we talked about your journey in college. Uh, at this university in the South, and you said that there was an absence of black theologians uh, in the curriculum. And you pursued a journey of asking the obvious question, why? And then, you know, uh, ran towards that to make sure that there there was black theologians represented in the curriculum going forward. Tell me who some of your favorite black theologians are. Yeah, um... Now, I will say this as a, a starting point. Um, you know, I, I admire, I wouldn't say I subscribe fully to these said theologians, but those who definitely sparked my interest, those who really opened up my mind to the greater realm of theology, uh, you know, I, I definitely have to give it to James Cone. Uh, James Cone was the first said individual that really highlighted the your one's blackness their their color and culture and how it plays a role as it relates to scripture and the word of god uh i can go on uh talking about 
um, Martin Luther King in his own realm. But you know, the, the very the very interesting thing is I, I start off mentioning how blacks have always been thinking and thinking in colorful ways. I mean, historically speaking, on the timeline as relates to America, okay. uh, because right. obviously the last time we talked, you know, we we have. Uh, Africans that are very enriched as relates to the foundational principles of our Christian faith mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. we know Christ through theology today. So it's not that we just started thinking out of nowhere, but as it relates to American culture, the reason why I said that we think in ways that are different and, def- and, are, and are definitely colorful is even though at the beginning, James Conan, I guess hopefully if God's willing, we'll get a chance to talk to about him later, was the prominent leader in the uh, 60s that said, all right, let's look at theology from a different viewpoint than, than how it's already been handed to us. There has been talk of theology and demonstrations of theology, but in a different way. So, for instance, you have many Africans, um, American African-Americans that would communicate theology not necessarily through a textbook, and through lectures, but through songs. Okay. You know? Yeah. And like hymns. So, yeah, hymns. Hymns. Okay. Negro spirituals. Yep. And theology, in essence, is a study of God. So the way that we, as as a, as 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 a people, communicated who God was was through song. Okay. And so songs through through hymns and 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 another form um, is through preaching. So you have uh, the E.V. Hills, you have the Martin Luther ah, Kings, you have the various I love prominent e. Baptist, yeah, absolutely, love e. Hill. <laughs> prominent Baptist ministers who were highly educated, and even though they didn't have a textbook, they had a message. Mm-hmm. And um, even if you know you go to YouTube today and you and you check out these gentlemen, and there's so many others, they didn't probably have PhD theologian right attached to their name or um, they may have MDiv or whatnot or, or, of, of sorts but they communicated the truth of God that was definitely different from their their contemporaries of their time sure. it, it, it brought a sense of revival and personal identification um, that the believer their listeners their parishioners would have as it relates to God so in a lot of ways they may not have been considered your classical term of theologians, yeah, but they yeah. definitely exercised the uh, theology. Mahalia Jackson sure. ex- exercised theology. How can we as a people explain or understand who God is? And even though it may not have been as rich, like I said before, as the 15 other white theologians mm-hmm. we can quote, we as as black folk have been doing theology in America. But like I said, it's definitely been in a colorful and, and yeah. in a unique way. Now, you said a couple things there that I want to I wanna kind of dive into a little bit more. So and and really I, I had been thinking along these lines as well until maybe just now. So when I think of theologians, I, I think of people like John Calvin and and and, 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 and those yeah. people, you know, yeah. people like that. And and those are people when you think of them, you think of them, you know, five point Calvinism, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. book writers, justification uh, by faith, yeah, all this mm-hmm, stuff, and mm-hmm. and just really on a pedestal. But you're saying that in African American culture, that ministers of the gospel, pastors, people that are orators of the gospel, are equals with what we consider a John Calvin, 
even though you know they're orators and it's passed and, and their theology has been passed down orally, it's it should be weighed exactly the same. Is that what you're saying? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, no one race or person has a monopoly on the knowledge of God. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, I think that's one of probably the dilemmas um, in evangelicalism, because I'm an evangelical. I believe in the inspired word of God. I believe it's infallible, all those things. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if we believe that we have all of theology figured out and that's it, then that's where we fall short. No doubt. Um, and and that's that's where, in my pursuit of, of Christian education, I had that hunger because I know it couldn't just be Martin Luther, John Calvin, and that Reformation age, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there has to be a lot more because of how vast God is. Yeah, sure. Um, there's, there's so much that we can still search in this age of knowledge that we still can pursue God in. And so I believe that... For quite some time, many have made the John Calvins and the Martin Luthers and those in the Reformation period be the highlight of Christian um, pontification or Christian thought. Yeah. Um, and I think I that's where we that, do. Yep. We kind of overglorify. Sure. Yep. And then, you know, miss the um the, the the individuals that that perceive an understanding of God in a very still powerful way just in 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 the same light so it's it's, it's this overglorification but here's one thing I'll say prov and I've been wanting to say this especially with this topic of black mind matters and black minds matter I remember when I was doing a paper um in college and the college that I at, we had have one of the um, most you know robust leading uh, Pentecostal research centers in the in the, okay. in the country. Yeah. And right. my specific task was um, I was focusing on the denomination, the Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. and their origins and their theologies and the various things that um, make it what it is as, as the denomination. And one of the most difficult things that I had issues with in my pursuit of just learning more. Um, and so, if, if for those who don't know about the Church of God in Christ, long story short, it's it's a it's it's a predominantly African American denomination that was you know originally it was black and white church constituents in, in the Pentecostal movement, but. You know, history has it that, you know, whites, uh, which is very interesting, the whites did not want, at a certain point, black leadership and black pastors. And out of that, the Assemblies of God came to be. Okay. Many people don't know that, but it's it's all in history. So you have the Church of God in Christ, and then you have the Assemblies of God. But nonetheless, the issues that I was having was there was not a lot of writings out in this denomination, and here's why. And don't take this wrong, the, the listeners, but this is the truth. Black people don't like to write. Hmm. That's that's <laughs> we, odd, man. Because we, you know what? They don't I, like to write. I don't like to read. <laughs> yeah. I love writing, but I don't like to read at all. So so it's a struggle. Uh. Because I mean, granted, you know, in, in African in in, in 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 American culture, you know, we know that, you know, a lot of slaves weren't didn't have the right to education and all this kind of stuff and sure. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So we were kinda of late on the ball game as it relates to American history. Mm-hmm. But it was so hard to find context and content for why we believe what we believe or um, just the framework of, of the African mindset as it relates to theology because barely anyone was writing. Um, the majority of what 
what we have is through sermons. And even sermons back then wasn't necessarily written. It was that one person, that Baptist mm-hmm. minister that had that one member that could read the scripture yeah. and is like, you know, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And then, you know, the pastor's like, read, you know, and so that member that yeah, could read yeah, is yeah. reading the scripture while he's just, you know, following the inspiration sure. of the Holy Spirit to, to, to preach the gospel truth. So it, it's it, I, all that to say is we don't have a lot of literature that's out there. I believe that we're growing more and more. Many yeah. millennials and um, former generations are beginning to write and seeing the need for it, but we must be diligent and, of course, reading, but at the same time, putting pen to paper yeah, so that future yeah. generations can pick up Absolutely. and see um, a lot more bl- uh, better and clearer than we did um, yeah. before. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's I think it's really neat what you said about the the minister maybe who could not read and have the congregant uh, read for him, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, I yeah. mean, and I haven't thought about this in decades, but I remember I used to go to Georgia. Yeah. Nashville, Georgia. Yeah. I used to go there every summer and spend the week with my mom, my aunts, and my Aunt B. God rest her soul. She was one of my favorite aunts. But she had a husband, Uncle Silas. Uncle Silas was a Baptist minister. Yeah. Uncle Silas couldn't read. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he, the exact same thing would happen on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. He would ask somebody to read, and then through the Spirit, he would interpret the Scripture yeah. and give a sermon. Yeah. And it was incredible. I mean, I, I really haven't mm-hmm. thought about that in years until yeah. just now. Yeah. And so that actually happens. And I also think, man, that it's really unique how so much of, of our theology is is oral. So we get it from um, sermons, Mm -hmm. you know, we get it from music and hymns, like you said. This might be a nugget that somebody might not know. So Mahalia Jackson, one of the most popular gospel singers of her time, um, was the actual inspiration, or if you will, the catalyst Mm -hmm. for the I Have a Dream speech, right? Because Martin went up there with a whole agenda. He was going to do his agenda and and to that to the mass of people that were there he had this speech prepared and because he had relayed a dream to Mahalia earlier in an offline conversation she thought it was appropriate to be like hey Martin tell him about your dream tell him about your dream Martin and so from that catalyst from that little like jab in the in the in the yeah. back from a gospel singer the I Have a Dream speech was given to the masses. And so if you didn't know that, uh, that's how that happened. And so much of our uh, much of our history is put forth like that. And, and I think you're right, though. It is really important to have written record of that because if it's not passed down orally correct or somebody just thinks it's not important and stops talking about it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's lost and we don't have it anymore. Uh, but if we can write it down, then it, it remains and can exist through the centuries. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's now talk about, because we, we, we covered theology, we covered your school, and um, who, aside from James Combs, who, who would you consider to be some of your favorite uh, people of thought, like either contemporary or you know, older? Or who, who do you look to when you, when you want to think of, Man, I wonder what this person thinks about this situation. Wow. 
Well, that's the thing. I, I you know, I'm a bit of an outlier because I don't necessarily listen to the most popular. I like to definitely um, listen to the underdogs. All right, know, so tell me will. some underdogs. And, Who do you listen and to? So yeah, like automatically. And I was listening to him this morning. Um, he's actually a Pentecostal theologian named mm-hmm. Amos Young. Amos Young. And okay. Amos Young, the way that he views theology is definitely Holy Spirit centered. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely an individual that I love to just really listen to because he gives a fresh perspective on really emphasizing Christ's desire that the Spirit of God be upon all flesh. And this relates a lot to our conversation. Um, the South American theologian Gutierrez, um, for some reason his name is leaving me at this moment, but Gutierrez is another individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm glad you actually asked me these questions because I really hope our listeners know that there's more to um, the thinkers of the Reformation. And again, I, we're not saying we don't like Martin Luther. Yeah, no, um, that's not what we're John saying at Calvin, all. But there it's is so much rich rich, rich thinkers, uh, thinkers, I'm sorry, um, whether it be Asian American, like I said, of Amos Young, or South American, such as Gutierrez, or black theologians, such as James Cone. Um, uh, you know, there's so many, many thinkers that um, just flood my mind. But nonetheless, I, I believe, you know, just to make this this conversation inclusive to everyone, challenge yourself to look outside of your box. Mm-hmm. Challenge yeah. yourself to look outside of your own convenience and comfort of how you view God. Because I feel like if there's nothing more that can be emphasized in these in this conversation, um, is that God is so much bigger than our own perceived conceptions of him. Mm-hmm. He's so much vast and so much great than how we've understood him. And it's okay to to search a little bit deeper. And I think it challenges us to really go beyond what we know and really seek um the 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 more of him even in a even in through a different lens and and so if if, if I may you know um, I want to I want to <laughs> revert back to James Cone because James Cone he made a lot of people uh, I e white people uncomfortable on how he presented black theology okay you know all right um, because again I, I, the reason why I want to go back is because I just want to gain perspective theology up to that point as it was in academia, was already just kind of, if you will, whitewashed. It was, all right, justification by faith, predestination, Protestant, you know, it's it's grace um, that we are saved through faith and not by works. And so we have this very kind of concrete way of viewing uh, who God is and that God is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, etc., etc. But James Cone took a turn because... He, in his words, says that he wanted to uh, have the theology that is consistent with Martin Luther King um, as as a Christian in in the 60s at the time, but at the same time incorporate the blackness um, of black power and black identity Hmm. um, as as Malcolm X. Wow. And so he gives us two different thoughts right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, again, from his culture and context, he said that, 
you know, Martin Luther King, he had good theology, mm-hmm. but it didn't speak to the souls of black folks. Mar- uh, Malcolm X, on the other hand, had good black identity, but it wasn't Christ-centered, you know, because yeah. Malcolm X, he was Absolutely. from the nation of Islam, he rejected right. Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so he, and so James Cone found himself, because no one at this time, remember, mind you, in the 60s, is having this conversation. He says, how can I be true to theology with still maintaining the blackness and my 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 color to which God has gifted and given me. Yeah. Um and at the same time, how can I maintain my blackness and maintain theology and my understanding of who God is? Yeah. And so he was yeah. the first person that bridged the conversation uh together so that um he could say that black people um are are yes uh, are the image of God, are created um, in the likeness of yeah. God. And even insofar as he, uh, I'll recommend this book to anyone, whether you are uh, a scholar in theology or whether you know nothing about theology, James Cone's uh, book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. The Cross, the cross and the Lynching and Tree. The lynching tree. That yes. is a deep yes, title. absolutely. Deep. Um, actually, he, and, he, and you've talked about music, uh, really, just grasping from Bill, uh, Billie Holiday's "Strange Fruit." Okay, you know. Yep. Um. Uh. uh and 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 you, uh, if you don't know "Strange Fruit," please listen to that. Song. Yeah. It's it's a it's a deep 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 song of just oh, the reality just, of blackness. Let's yeah, just yeah. put it mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So mm-hmm. so "Strange Fruit." The first yeah. time I heard the the song. It was by Nina Simone. Nina Simone, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah. it, and maybe Billy did her own version of it, yeah. but I heard Nina's version, and uh, I, I'd always heard the title, but never really, never really sunk in what it meant until I heard the song, and then I heard the song, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is this is not." pretty because it's really a song about lynching yeah a song about lynching about human beings african-american hanging from a tree and strange fruit and so in the in the 60s this was a common practice if you were found uh in the wrong place at the wrong time or with the wrong people uh something that wasn't you said that people didn't like you would find yourself Hanging from a tree, strange mm-hmm. fruit, and 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 this was a Sunday activity after church. Crowds of people would go watch this happen, and and it was like after go, church, after church, it's, yeah. Let's emphasize after that. church activity. Yeah. So it'd be like the going to the Kentucky Derby. You're in your Sunday best, and you're watching strange fruit happen. Yeah, and so the song is really poignant. Uh, and yeah, I I would encourage you if you have not heard it to go listen to it. But what a deep title, man! The cross and the lynching tree. And maybe what we'll do for this episode, and maybe well, yeah, for specifically for this episode, is we'll put some resource links, like yeah. you know, for the for the book and for the song and for whatever. Uh, up with the episode so people can actually check this stuff out for yeah. themselves and, and have questions they could email us or whatever. The, as I mentioned moments ago, of like, wow, this was so very disturbing and uncomfortable because, you know, mind you, James Cone uh, grew up where he saw that, where, yeah. where whites would have church on Sunday morning yep. and directly after service there would be a lynching, mm-hmm. just as casual as that. Uh, James Baldwin says that whites understand the cross through the Bible, but blacks understand the Bible through the cross. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what James Cone did is using the crucifixion of Jesus and the theology of just the way 
how we've understood God chooses to reveal his godliness through the passion of the cross. He says that in a lot of ways, in the same way that blacks are dying on a tree, that it's not a sign of our weakness, if you will, Mm -hmm. or the sign of our end. But in essence, the blacks aren't the black, the blacks because the lynching was like to, to that culture is the ultimate end for, for, uh, for blacks, you know, we're going to teach you a lesson. And so here's this example and demonstration, what will happen if you, you know, don't do what we say or said or we like, but James Cohen, it says that, uh, in, 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 in essence, when we are seeing African-Americans that are strange fruit that are hanging from these trees, it's almost a reminder of our crucified savior and the power that God chose to reveal himself when he hung, as the Bible said, on a tree. And so it's this powerful um, demonstration that God chooses to reveal himself through suffering. And that ultimately, God does not choose the side of the oppressor, but God chooses the side of the oppressed. Yeah, yeah. And so black people are identifying that when they are experiencing this suffering or they're seeing their black brothers and sisters that are hanging from the tree this is not a sign of weakness or this is the end but in a sense it's 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 an affirmation of who god is and and their their willingness to to walk through and see christ in the same way so they're seeing their mothers or they're seeing their fathers they're seeing their children and yes there's pain there's despair but there's no hopelessness because there's this hope that god is revealing himself and god is choosing the side now he's not the one that is pulling or tightening the noose but he's the one that is still hanging you know from that noose and so yeah. it's just this beautiful depiction because now, you know, James Cohen forces the whites to realize, oh, my goodness, God's not really, you know, because they're promulgating this fear of just like you're doing the will of God. But but you're you're actually killing and, and destroying the image of God. And he's not on your side. He's on the side of the right. ones that are the, the oppressed. Yeah, that is that is really cool, man. And, mm-hmm. and just to hear it explained like that is, is really phenomenal. Um, and I definitely think we're going to put a resource link, links, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, plural, uh, up on the, the episode site so that people can check this stuff out. And since, you know, we're kind of talking about James Combs. James Cone. Mm-hmm. Cone, okay. Mm-hmm. And Cone. you mentioned James Baldwin, uh, who yeah. is a, was an activist in the mm-hmm. 60s, 70s, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he has, he has this r- remarkable documentary, documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix called I Am Not Your Negro. Check mm-hmm. that out. Mm-hmm. There's also another one uh, on... Uh, Netflix called 13th, and it talks about the 13th Amendment and how there's a loophole. Basically freed black people from slavery, but there is a loophole that allows the system, if you will, to enslave people if if there's a crime. So basically, when you think about the prison system, um, yes, if people do wrong and break laws, they deserve consequence and penalty. But the loophole in the 13th kind of uses that against people. 
And, and so this documentary explores that uh, and, and tells the story of, of that loophole. And it's pretty amazing uh, when you see it and gut-wrenching. So uh, that's another resource for you to check out. I mean, you know, we, we talk about this stuff, you and I, because we're mm-hmm, both African-Americans yeah. and not to be, you know, exclusive to the people that aren't African Americans that are listening to this, but we talk about this openly so that whoever is listening, black, white, Indian, whoever can understand and maybe, you know, kind of walk in the shoes of someone who lives this stuff in order to have empathy, in order to understand and bridge divides that are all over our country right now. Um, because when you look at the news, when you look at CNN, Fox, ABC, whatever your news source of choice happens to be, you clearly can see division. And if you have Facebook and you have Facebook friends, uh, nothing divides more than politics right now. Mm-hmm, nothing. Mm-hmm. People aren't afraid to say mm-hmm, whatever they mm-hmm. want to whoever they want, even their friends. Don't talk about it. At the expense <laughs> of a friendship. Just yeah. And they would never say it to their face, though. No. But they would say it on Facebook in a heartbeat. And so this kind of division is just running rampant right now because yeah. people are sitting back and refusing to have empathy for either side. And so dialogue like this is good because it forces people to have a conversation. Like, why are these guys talking about this stuff? It's relevant. It's happening. And you cannot stick your head in the sand and pretend that it's not happening because it's happening all around you. So if you're going to engage in it, engage in it intelligently, engage in it empathetically, and engage in it with a platform on which you stand and you know we're both believers in Christ and we 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 come from that platform and so when you hear this hopefully you're not thinking that you know they're two races talking about black stuff that doesn't really only matter to 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 them this really matters to everyone and you know February is Black History Month yeah but to put it out there black history is, is american mm-hmm. history it is it's american history so i mean should should we we only have a month because that month was marked for us to celebrate our history why because our history is not celebrated anywhere else mm-hmm. in the grand narrative of american history yeah why is june black music month well because it's not celebrated it's marked why do we have black universities because we had to we weren't allowed in the white ones. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I wanted to go to Harvard now, I, I could if my GPA was on point. Mm-hmm. But back then, I couldn't because I was black. Yeah. And so now I have to go to Clark or I have to go to, you know, Morehouse yeah. or something like that. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's there's specifically things that are marked black, like black universities, black this, black that, because when it was established it was because we had no other opportunities. Exactly. So we exactly. had mm-hmm. to make our own. Yeah. Understand that. We're not trying to separate from American no, culture. No, no. The way that it was designed, in order for us to get anywhere, to do anything, to achieve any kind of success, we had to create avenues to make our own way. Thus, stuff like Clark. Morehouse and all the other black universities, Bethune-Cookman, FAMU, they're marked black, historically black universities because that's how they started. We had to make a university that we could attend. 
because we couldn't attend the other ones. So this is an inclusive conversation. Yeah. By all means, don't hear it as two black guys talking about black stuff that's irrelevant to anybody else. That's not what this is. Yeah. I just want to emphasize, like you said, black history is American history. You know, it's 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 our world history, and we have a tendency to forget. <laughs> we we have a tendency. Uh, humanity has a tendency. Um, of just having very bad memory. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can get the argument of just why do we have to have a black history on it? But you understand, like, we're not forgetting about what happened in World War II. You know, no one's like, oh, let's tear down the Holocaust Museum. There's no point in having the Holocaust Museum. That happened and that was done and that was the past. Why have a, uh, I think in D.C., I think they just opened up recently within the, the within this last year or two. The, yeah. What was it? The African American Museum or something? African American History Museum. Yeah, yeah. yeah which which I, I want to see one day too. I gotta get I, there. I, I gotta, I gotta get there. It. But but you know it's 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 our history, and it's what was that statement? If you don't remember your history, you're bound to repeat it again or something to that capacity. Yeah. Um, yes, it's it's broken. Yes, it's not necessarily perfect, and it's not necessarily pretty or the the good life as we have perceived it to always be but it's history yeah and the reality is is you know we must be diligent to not forget so that we can resist the temptation to repeat yeah Mm -hmm. man i agree and you know one of the one of the cool things that that kind of help keep me on point. And we, we've talked about music a little mm-hmm. bit here. Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, mm-hmm. Mahalia Jackson. Um, you know, recently, uh, within the last few years, there was a, a film called Selma, which relived or put back out there the um, the whole civil rights movement, Dr. King, and the, the movement to walk across, uh, I think it's uh, Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, and how they, you know, it was referred to as Bloody Sunday because a lot of people lost their lives mm-hmm. that day just trying to cross a bridge. And so, um, so the movie came out, documented the, the movement of that, and then there was this great song that came out of that that actually uh, not only won a Grammy but also won an Oscar. And I think it was called "Glories" by John Legend and Common. Mm-hmm. Really great song. And uh, the, the, the chorus goes, one day when glory comes, it will be ours, it will be ours. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, glory, glory. And then one of, one of, the, one of the cool verses is this, like, and I'm not going to rap it, I'm just going to read it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Selma is now for every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. They marched with the torch. We're going to run with it now. Never look back. We're done with, we've done hundreds of miles from dark roads to roads to become heroes. Facing the, le- the League of Justice, his power was the people. Enemy is lethal. A king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald eagle. The biggest weapon is to stay peaceful. We sing our music is the cuts that we bleed through. I think that's so, mm. so dope, man. I yeah. mean, because yeah. really, when you think about the civil rights movement, it was done in a peaceful manner. Yeah, people were killed. Blood was spilled on the streets. and But it was a nonviolent movement. Nobody was taking up Uzis and, and trying to force their way in. But mm-hmm. through a peaceful movement that was greatly organized by a, a core knit of people, 
a whole transit system was brought to a screeching halt mm -hmm. economically because people just refused to ride until they were given their due respect. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think we can even pull something off like that right now hmm. because we are so disunified as a people uh, with nobody that wants to lead. Everybody wants to point fingers and, and say stuff, mm. but nobody wants to galvanize anybody and actually lead a movement. We all want mm. to talk a movement, but nobody wants to lead a movement. Mm. And we see stuff happening um, that a movement mm. is going to be required to happen to, to, to get over stuff. Um, mm. The Women's March, they, they galvanized, they made their statement, but we really, as a people, haven't made a statement, mm -hmm. haven't made a political statement since 2008 mm. <laughs> literally all right so you said you said uh the word disunified can i throw in the word disengaged yeah oh yeah that's accurate <laughs> yeah, that's 100 accurate you know i don't i don't like i hate to say it, but it's just like we just don't care like we just i don't know and again i'm not trying to make a blanket statement because i do have a hope i do have a shimmer hope that our uh individuals that are rising up even those who are listening to this podcast to step up into that but nonetheless like i just feel like black people just don't care like <laughs> at times just yeah, like yeah. all right it is what it is you know what i mean it's just you know it is what it is i'm just gonna worry about getting this money and all this you know what, what the bible say just vanity you know just vanity vanity but you know someone has to do it someone has to do it i you know i'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot you know i was I was uh, shook, as they would say, um, by a recent post on Martin Luther King Day um, that you that you posted proverb on your um, Instagram page, and I loved it, and it was so powerful. Oh yeah. Um, you said uh, it was a picture of Dr. King, and I, I believe it was at his funeral um, in the casket, and it was I think I don't know if it was a group of people viewing the body. It was, but, yeah, yeah. But I, it was something in the lines of just in case someone forgets the cost of a dream, mm -hmm, bro. Mm -hmm. That sunk in deep. Yeah. That sunk in deep because someone has to step up, and it's not because it's popular, but it's going to take someone with a lot of grit yeah. and a lot of boldness to step up and speak the truth. And if there are individuals within our community that says, "Yeah, I'm bold. I'm not afraid. I'm, I, you know, I'll stand up and 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 you know, do what I have to do," and we're bold about a lot of things, who's going to be bold enough to step up? And speak truth to power. Yeah. Because people like James Cone, like Malcolm X, like Dr. Martin Luther King, like James Baldwin, um, the list goes on and on and on of various Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, people that 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 did not want to submit to the common flow of things. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. They 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 wanted to be honest. And that's what we have to do. We have to Get rid of this disunity, get rid of being disengaged, and also get rid of this illusion that it's just, it is what it is, you yeah. know? You yeah. have to be willing, and, and I hope that there's a stirring that's starting to take place in people, uh, to men and women alike, to, to rise to the occasion and, and really count the cost. I mean, there is a cost. It's not an easy thing. It's not free. Even your own people. Yeah. You, you know, are you trying to be an Uncle Tom at one point? Or, you know, there might be someone else that's like, oh, you know, what you're, you're being too aggressive. I mean, it, it's going to cost you reputation. It's going to cost you being ostracized and criticized. But nonetheless, look at, look at what 
the, the, what we're living in today. Mm-hmm. If Dr. King did not speak up, yes, his life was short-lived and it was unfortunate, but my God, look at the ramifications yeah. that that came from that. Sure. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's huge. And we have to continue to speak up um, because, you know, this is not the only time and, and, and his time was not the only time and to speak of Dr. King uh, that, that we as not only black people, but as Americans need to hold a mirror up to our culture and say, look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Look at yourself. Is this what you have become? Is this what you want to be? And if it's not, let's change what we're seeing in the reflection. And we can only do that when we're together. Yeah, I mean, probably before, um, you know, I have to leave some practication, uh, practic- yeah. if that's cool. Do it. I just, I just felt led. I want to I wanna leave some practicality for those who are um, African descent, African American listeners, and for those who are who, who are not people of color, um, for the African Americans, I, I do want to say this before we end this conversation: be true to who you are, be true to who you are, and not ashamed of who God's created you to be. When God created you, He knew the pigmentation, the melon, the melon that you would have in your skin. He knew the the texture of your hair. He knew the size of your hips, your waist, your nose. He knew who you were. And so honor God in knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, step up. We talk about Black Minds Matter. I know this was more specifically as it relates to, to Christian education. But step up in politics, in education, in um, law, what, whatever gamut uh, that, or, or area, if you will, that, that, that this world has to offer, step up in it. We can do more than sports and entertainment. Absolutely. You know? yeah, and that's, what, that's why I have such a heart for the ministry that I serve in Monday through Friday, because I want the, the next generation to know that they can do more than just show off the physique of their body or how impressive they can work a, a, um, a, work a, work a basketball or football. So know that, it, hey, if you can't sing or play basketball, that your blackness um, is, is, is pointless. No, you can do more. You talked about mass incarceration, that we need a huge reformation in the political system because, you know, it's broken. We, we, we need more. It's, I'm not saying it's it's horrible and that we should throw it all out, but we, we should step up in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we should step up in real estate and reform what that looks like as it relates to gentrification, redlining, and the whole conversation alike. Step up in 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 Christian thought, in, in academia, whatever it is, I encourage you to step Step up and be involved. Don't disunify yourself. Do not be disengaged. This is not the time to disengage. Step up and step into what God has called you to be. So I hope that stirs you. And for my people who are not people of color, I encourage you to educate, educate, educate educate yourself. When 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 you educate yourself, you really combat ignorance that mm-hmm. that that would cause there to be destruction. Yeah, yeah. And and be willing to have honest conversation. Yeah. Don't come into a conversation with people of color with your own prejudice or or what have you to to convince or to argue, but come in to understand. Come in with the heart of humility. Come into want, wanting to know um, more and and at the same time grow more. Mm-hmm. Um, and and knowing how to unify because as as Martin Luther King says, Junior says, he says, you know, I don't want to be your brother in law. Yeah, we were not 
not going to desegregate and you're just going to like me just because there's a law you that says to. you have to like me. Yeah. I want to be your brother in love. Powerful statement. Yeah. So you can do that when you are willing to come into conversation and be willing to understand and not necessarily willing to reply. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to bring some form of intellectual uh, justification on why, you know, black people have it wrong or they're misunderstood. Understand what's going on and not mm. and, and and honor that uh, not only their black mind matter but their black voices matter sure. as well. Yep. And then I'll also say for my people of non color is fund not just educate but fund minority entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. fund minority led businesses. You know, fund um, you know students in their college education. Be part of it. If you're like, what can I do? Give or do something. When uh, one thing I encourage uh, my white friends, because I have a lot of them, so I'm not <laughs> racist, okay. Um, but I encourage them when they go out on their travels, um, and they're let's say they're in Chicago or uh, or in, in in New York, wherever they may be. Probably, you know, take time in your travels to go to a black-owned, operated restaurant and and bless that restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. enjoy yeah. that culture. You know, that's a way of educating at the same time, really just pushing um, black uh, businesses and, and, and thinkers. So, and, and so I can go on and on, but I think for everyone, black, white, Native American, Asian, Middle Eastern, Islander, Pacific, or whatever you may be, we can do this. Um, and it won't, and, it, and it's made possible when we can come together. We understand that it is true that God's Spirit was poured out on all flesh, and that we are all created in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Now, one race, not one person, has a monopoly on the greatness of all who God is. But like a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of a mosaic art. Each one comes in bringing in their own color, their own culture, their own flavor to give this beautiful picture of who God is and his godliness as it is revealed to us. No doubt, man. That's that's awesome. And, you know, I, I heard a quote once by Franklin Covey that says something to the effect of don't seek to be understood until you can understand. Mm. Right. So. Um, mm. So what you're saying is is incredible. So, man, thank you so much for being on on the sojourn and and sharing your wisdom with us, and you know, just encouraging people to to think outside of the box when it comes to theology. And instead of hitting the, the- theological highlights of what's been presented, to look for other uh, avenues of theology that that and other thoughts in theology that might be out there as well. Um, and just for sharing all that with us and the, and the, the lesson through history and, and all that stuff, this has been a great two episodes. And um, people found out in the first episode where they could get a, get a hold of you. You might want to repeat that. And then we'll also put the resource links up to some of the stuff that we talked about today uh, along the episode uh, website. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Dunamis, that's D-U-N-A-M-I-S, Malvarez, all one word, M-A-L-V-A-R-E-Z. And please, you know, feel free to uh, DM any questions, any resources. And even if you want to be part of the conversation um, with me, and and knowing how you can be a part of the change or the difference or uh, just to grow more, um, I'm here for it. Awesome. And you can follow us on Twitter. We, we're not on all social media outlets, just on Twitter right now. And uh, that is at The Sojourn, okay? So, hey, thanks for joining me and Alonzo here yes. on The Sojourn, and I will see you next time. I'm Proverb Newsom. That's a wrap for this episode of The Sojourn. Hopefully you learned something, 
were inspired and motivated to begin a journey of your own, please email me your comments, questions, or even suggestions for my next guest at proverb.newsome at gmail.com. Once again, that's proverb.newsome at gmail.com. This has been The Soul Journey. Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy the trip.